My name is Luke Stiles, and I'm an eighth grader and serve on the student leadership team for the middle school program. Our scripture reading today is found in John 16, 17 through 24. Let us stand for the reading of God's word. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. This is the word of God. Well, church family, today we will continue our study in the Gospel of John. We're in John chapter 16. Thank you, Luke, for reading. Um, I used to have hair like Luke's. <laughs> so, Luke, enjoy it while you've got it. <laughs> if you've got your Bible, be sure you open it there to John 16 and, and follow along as we work our way through this text. We are reaching the climax of what we call the Upper Room Discourse. These were Jesus' final moments with his disciples before his betrayal and crucifixion. And as we've been studying this discourse, I think we should be getting the picture here that this, the atmosphere that evening, was very tense. The disciples were nervous. They were looking for answers. When they came to Jerusalem, they knew they were walking into trouble. Back in John Chapter 11, when Jesus began making his way to Jerusalem after the death of Lazarus, Thomas says this, let us also go that we may die with him. They knew they were heading into trouble. And then Jesus begins speaking openly with them about his death. He reveals that one of them will betray him. And after Judas leaves in chapter 13, They're sitting in the upper room celebrating the Passover supper and Jesus again says that he is going away. Well, Peter's the first to speak up as always. And he says, Lord, where are you going? Why can't I follow you now? And then Thomas speaks up. Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Then Philip chimes in, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. 
And then we come to the end of this discourse in chapter 16 and verse 18. It says about all of the disciples that they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. This was not a relaxed meal or after dinner stroll through the vineyards for the disciples. Things were not going the way they wanted them to go. And the disciples were experiencing what each one of us has to experience at one time or another. God's ways are not man's ways. There are questions. There is sorrow. There is grief. There is trouble. And sometimes life doesn't make sense. Do you ever feel that way? Every hand in the room should be up. <laughs> For those of you who are visiting, you are not among a group of people who've got it all figured out. Sometimes life does not make sense. Do you remember the first time, that time when you came to faith in Christ? Or do you remember an awakening in your life when you were on fire for God? But then something happened. Something you didn't expect. And then the doubts came. You wondered if you were doing the right thing. There were questions, there was sorrow, there was trouble. Some of you are feeling that way right now. You are nervous, you are looking for answers. But you're here in this church because you're like the disciples. They were confused, they were nervous, but they didn't know where else to go. Earlier, when all the others had left Jesus, these 12 stuck around because they said in John chapter 6, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Part of living by faith in a fallen world is following God down paths that sometimes just don't make sense and are sometimes painful. And during those times, we need encouragement. We need reassurance. We need to hear those truths that are the foundation of all we believe. And Jesus knew that. So he tells them at the beginning of this section of final words in chapter 14, verse 1, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And then in verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Maybe you need to hear those words today. And starting there in chapter 14, Jesus begins speaking truth into their lives, telling them that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Telling them that he is going to prepare a place for them that he is sending the Holy Spirit to empower them and help them, that he is like a vine, God the Father is like the gardener, and that they are like the branches, and that if they will find their source of life in him, that they will bear fruit. He also shares honestly with them that in this world they will have trouble. In fact, the world will hate them just as it hates Christ, but that their grief 
will be turned to joy and they will see him again. Evil will be destroyed. God will be victorious. Then we come to this final verse before Jesus lifts his eyes to heaven in prayer in John 17. And at the end of chapter 16, verse 33, he tells us why he has given them all of these words. Chapters 14, 15, and 16. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The subtitle to this series is Jesus Prepares Us for Anything the World Throws at Us. If you or someone you know is in this kind of difficult place today, questions, sorrow, grief, trouble, then God has a word for you today. To experience joy beyond sorrow, peace beyond trouble, Jesus gives us three things in this passage that are for us as well. And so the first is a principle that must be grasped, verses 16 to 22. The principle is simply this. God brings joy to our lives, not by substitution, but by transformation. His illustration of the woman giving birth makes this clear. The same baby that caused the pain and the anguish also caused the joy. Now, this is different from what we usually think or we naturally desire. Most of us want the thing that causes the grief and the sorrow to go away. We want it to be replaced with something better that will bring joy, not sorrow. That's very natural. Simply listen to the way we often pray. They're usually prayers about our desire to see God take away the things that are painful and replace them with things that are better. We want the thing that brings sorrow to go away, and we want it to be replaced by something that brings joy. But Jesus does something different, and it reveals something very important about the way that God works in our lives. God takes the very things that cause us headaches and grief and sorrow and he turns it into a cause for joy. Now, we don't have time to review our theology of sin and the fall of man, but the result of that fall and that sin is that we live in a broken world. Jesus tells us in this world we will have trouble. Do not be surprised. But Jesus came to redeem this fallen world, and by his sovereign power, he transforms what brings sorrow into joy as we trust him. This is what Paul is saying to the church in Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, here's a question Pastor Greg would ask us. Church, what's included in all things? Now, isn't it just the good things? No, it's all things. Now, it doesn't mean that all things are good. No, it simply means that for those who love God, who've been called according to his purpose, that God is powerful enough and loving enough to take whatever it is in our lives, 
even those things that bring sorrow and grief, and he can transform it into a cause for joy. Now, embracing this principle is something that comes with maturity. It doesn't come naturally or easily. When a child's toy breaks, try explaining to them that, you know, this is a good learning opportunity. God wants to use this experience of this broken toy to help you grow. I can tell you that will not go very well. <laughs> a child wants a new toy, and they want it right now. The way of substitution for solving problems is the way of immaturity. The way of transformation is the way of faith and maturity. Your grief will turn to joy. In verse 20, literally Jesus says, your grief will give birth to joy. In some ways, you do not get the joy apart from the grief. Now, the fleshly side of me says, I don't like that. I want a new toy. <laughs> Well, the disciples didn't like that either. And when Jesus kept telling them that he was going away, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, that bothered them. In the passage last week, Jesus told them in John 16, verse 7, it is for your good that I am going away. Now, we know why it was for their good. We know that it's because Jesus would send his Holy Spirit to be with them, always. We know that it was good for us that Jesus would die on the cross for our sins. But the disciples did not yet understand that. They had no category in their minds for what a dead Messiah would do. It did not make sense to them. But notice, Jesus did not go out of his way to calm their fears by clearly explaining everything. We know what he meant because we know the rest of the story. Jesus would be crucified and buried. The disciples would grieve and mourn because they thought it was all over. The world would rejoice because they thought they had finally gotten rid of Jesus. But in a little while, the disciples would see him again. Jesus would be raised again from the dead and would appear to them. Then they would understand. Then they would believe. And then their grief would be turned to joy. We know this, but they did not yet. God had a purpose and a plan, and it was for the disciples' good, but the path to maturity required transformation, not substitution. Friends, the same is true for us. And this requires patience and perseverance. There is not a shortcut to maturity. God knows what we need, and he knows what we need to know. Look at John 16, verse 12. Jesus tells them, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. The disciples could not handle full disclosure. They couldn't handle a full disclosure of all that God was doing in their lives and in the world, and neither can we. As much as we think we can handle a full disclosure and we plead with God for all the information he often holds back 
because it's more than we can bear. And our maturity demands faith and trust more than it demands information. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And one of my favorite times every week is being up front at the end of a service to pray with you and those who have enough courage to come up and, and ask for prayer. And just in case you didn't know this, uh, we don't have a magic wand that we wave over them and their problems go away. But what we do have is this amazing privilege to pray with people, to remind people of God's love for them and his sovereign power to work all things together for good and his ability to turn their grief into joy as they put their trust in him. And I tell you, I see this peace of God that passes all understanding wash over people, not because the reason for sorrow is taken away, but because their faith is renewed and strengthened. So first, we have to grasp this principle that God brings joy to our lives, not by substitution, but by transformation. And secondly, Jesus gives us a promise to believe. Verses 23 to 28, God brings joy to our lives through prayer in Jesus' name. Time and time again, Jesus tells us to ask God. In John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is comforting his disciples before his arrest and crucifixion, and in every chapter, Jesus basically tells his disciples this, my Father will give to you whatever you ask in my name. In John 14, he says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And in John 15, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And then our text today, John 16, in that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Friends, what is our greatest problem in regard to prayer? It's the fact that we do not pray. James said, you do not have because you do not ask God. Jesus said it here, until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Now, does this mean there are no conditions? I can ask for whatever I want and God is obligated to give it to me? Is this some kind of magical incantation where I ask for whatever I want and then I tag on to the end of my prayer in Jesus' name? No, no. 
But sometimes we sound like that. Sometimes we act like that. We even get a little nervous when someone doesn't end their prayer by saying, in Jesus' name. Okay, this is not a magic word. Prayers in Jesus' name are prayers that are in agreement with everything that his name stands for. It's fine to say that at the end of your prayer. Just make sure that your prayer agrees with it. Now, the promises of God in regard to prayer, the ones we just read, they are very real. But there are conditions which are necessary for your prayers to be effective. And we don't have time to outline an entire theology of prayer, but here are a few conditions for praying in Jesus' name. You might want to jot these down, read the verses later. Some of you got your phones. You can take a picture of the slide. That's fine. 1 John 5. The Bible says our prayers need to be in line with the will of God. Is what you are asking for in agreement with God's revealed will in the Bible? That's a good test. Matthew 21, we must believe. Our prayers have to come from a heart full of faith. James 1 and Mark 11 say we must not doubt. James 5 says we need to confess our sins and turn away from unrighteousness for our prayers to be effective. 1 John 3, we need to obey God and seek to please him in our lives. James 4, we need to ask from right motives, not out of selfishness. And in John 15, perhaps this sums it all up. If we want our prayers to be effective, then we must remain in Christ. We must abide in him. And as we do these things, God promises us that whatever we ask in his name, he will give to us. I'm not making this up. <laughs> I'm telling you what the Bible says. You can believe that. Do you believe this? Amen. Now, I want to make this very practical. I want everyone to take uh, from the pew rack in front of you one of these cards that says prayer and care card. Okay, this is what you use to write your grocery list on Sunday mornings. I know. But this time I want you to get a fresh card. Some of you are taking sermon notes. Good for you. That's great. But get a fresh card. Help a neighbor. If they can't reach one, give one to them. If someone in front or behind can't find it, it says prayer and care card. Take a pen, pencil if you need one. And during the rest of the service here, I want you to be thinking of one to three very specific things that you want prayer for. Is there something, anything that you sense God wants you to pray for, but for some reason you have hesitated? Now is the time. And there's several reasons why we're doing this. First, I want us to begin praying more specifically and more enthusiastically. But secondly, we have teams of people at Lake Avenue Church who see it as their ministry to pray for you. And I want, if you're willing, for you to give them this card and have them pray for every single request today. You can put your name on the card if you want to and they'll pray for you by name. Your requests are confidential. Only those who are praying for you will see it. Um, or you can be anonymous. Just put your request down. God knows who you are. Let's see what God will do. He doesn't have to do anything. He will only do what is according to his will, what is best, and what brings him glory. Listen, we cannot manipulate God, but
But let me tell you what, he loves this. He loves it when we come to him and ask bold requests in faith because he is a loving heavenly father to you. Prayer is the most powerful tool that we have to change us, to change others, to change the world around us. Through prayer, people are healed. Anxiety and worry is released. Nations are changed. Do you believe this? Amen. Well, then starting today, can we make a commitment to one another that we will be a praying people? I confess I have not been the man of prayer that I want to be. I've suffered because of it. My family has suffered because of it. But I am making a new commitment to be a man of prayer. And I'm asking you to join me in that. So first we have to grasp this principle that God brings joy to our lives not by substitution but by transformation. Secondly, we have to believe this promise that God brings joy to our lives through prayer in Jesus' name. And third, the third thing that Jesus gives us is a position to claim. God brings peace to those who abide in him. Look at the contrast in verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Now be really honest for a moment. When push comes to shove, when the heat is on, when life is not going the way you want it to go, where do you look to find security? Where do you look? for security. You, you may turn to God with some prayers, maybe not the kind that we just talked about, prayers that trust God for transformation, but rather prayers that ask for a substitution. God, I want to trade these hard circumstances for some good ones right now in Jesus' name. Friends, our security does not come from our circumstances. But that's not what the world around me says. Just think about all the voices you hear all week long from friends, TV, movies, Facebook, radio, internet ads, whatever it is, they tell us that joy, peace, and happiness will come to you when you meet the right boy or girl, when you get the education you need so you can get the dream job you've always wanted, when you have enough money to buy the home or go on the vacations you've always wanted, None of that is evil, but it's just not where true peace is found. I don't recommend reading the tabloids, but I know they're full of stories about people who have all of that stuff we dream about, and yet there is no peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But the specific context of this comment by Jesus is interesting. Starting in verse 29, the disciples make this amazing testimony of faith. Remember, they had been filled with doubt and questions and fear. And now, all of a sudden, they say in verse 30, now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to ask, have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Ta-da! On the surface, you might think, wow, the disciples, they finally get it. I mean, the dramatic change is really amazing, perhaps too much so. 
We can't hear the tone of Jesus' voice when he tells them, do you now believe? Was it a question? Or was it more a statement of exasperation? Do you now believe? The disciples made a true statement about Jesus, but Jesus actually confronts them with their confidence and says that in a short time from now, they would all be scattered and they would abandon him. The disciples had been feeling very insecure because they did not understand Jesus. We don't understand what he's talking about. And that made them feel very insecure. God's ways are not man's ways, and life was not making sense to them. So they wanted a sense of control, and they felt like if they could understand what was going on, then they would have more peace. We've all been there. Okay, God, I'm in a hard place here, and I know you may have some purpose for it in my life, but if you'll just explain to me what that purpose is, I can endure it. If you can just help me understand why this is happening, then I'll be okay. That's what we do. We are information freaks, especially in our day of instant information through the internet. I mean, my wife was cleaning out a drawer in the kitchen and she found a phone book. Do you remember what those are? One of my teenage daughters said, what is it? What is that? Everything I need to know, I've, I've got usually on my hip and my cell phone. I've got a billion phone books worth of information immediately accessible to me. We are addicted to instant information. So when we find ourselves in trouble, when life doesn't make sense, we Google it, you know. We want answers. And we think that God has to explain what we are going through. And we think that once we understand, then we'll feel secure. Our peace wants to rest upon a certain knowledge of what is happening in our lives. <laughs> but Jesus is pointing out to them and to us that this kind of peace is very insecure. Yes, they made a true confession that Jesus came from God, but within minutes, they all ran away. Simply knowing the truth was not enough. Joy and peace comes not through managing our circumstances. Joy and peace comes not through understanding everything that's going on around us. Joy and peace comes through abiding in Jesus, trusting in the one who does control everything that happens. Are you in trouble? Here's what Jesus says to you. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Trouble at work, trouble at school, trouble in your home, trouble in your community. You will have trouble because that's the way this fallen world is. But, but take heart. Be of good cheer. Why? Because I am in control of the world and I have overcome the world. By faith, claim that position in Christ and abide in him. By faith, believe that promise and pray as never before in Jesus' name and be patient 
and persevere in faith, knowing that God is at work in your life for the good and that he will turn your grief and pain into a joy that the world can never give you. I want to invite the music uh, musicians to come back up. Two weeks ago, they led us in this song, and I just thought it would be the perfect ending today for us to reflect on these truths. And at the end of the service, I'm going to invite those who would like to come to be prayed for. You can bring your card, and you can share your prayer requests with our prayer team. And again, if you can't do that, just put in one of these baskets here or out the center doors, and we will pray for you. So have that paper in front of you now as we reflect and as we pray. And let us close in prayer. Father, we, we know that the world may knock us down. In this world, we will have trouble. But you promise that if we remain in Jesus, it will not knock us out. God, we trust you to turn our sorrow into joy through faith in your death and resurrection as we abide in you, that we will have that peace that passes understanding which does not rest in our circumstances, it does not rest in our understanding of the circumstances, but it rests in a secure confidence that you, the one who is guiding our circumstances, that you know what you are doing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.